Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What is up, everybody? My name is Kyle Matovic. I am the host of the In Liberty and Health podcast, where we talk all things liberty, health and wellness, and beyond. My hope is to encourage and spread the message of liberty and physical and mental well-being. I hope you enjoy all the topics we talk about with our guests. We're on all major streaming platforms, so please sit back, relax, and enjoy. Man, I'm doing as good as anyone can do getting buried by his 13-year-old son on leg day. <laughs> I'm not going to apologize for not being on this podcast because I got to go see Metallica. So if that's a problem, kiss my ass. Okay. I am. <laughs> Cool. All right, everybody. This is In Liberty and Health, episode number 110. I've been trying to put this one together, and I'm pretty sure since I first started this podcast, I wanted to do this, but I'm, I'm glad. I feel like it's the right time to finally do it. I have the leading and the supposed most racist man in the world, Michael Heiss, with me today. How you doing, dude? I'm good, man. I'm only like the second most racist. Yeah. Like, some, there's always somebody better. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure there's somebody knocking you out there. You know, it's funny. Um, I watched your thing with Reason, and you were talking about Jordan Peterson. And something kind of clicked for um, for me when uh, you mentioned that. And it seems like you and him are the two like most misunderstood people on the face of the fucking planet. It, has that, have you ever had that same thought? Uh, I mean, not really, just because... I, I feel like, uh, I mean, I guess it's at another level now because I'm, I'm like, you know, I got the Southern Poverty Law Center article and all of that stuff. <laughs> um, yeah, well, that, that's my point. Prior, yeah. prior, prior to that, it, it's, it's like, oh, it's just like the small handful of losers that are pissed off that they're losing. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, um, and I've, I mean, I've had relationships with people in the party for quite some time now, you know, and uh, people are really nice. I don't, I don't really have trouble when I go places and, and all of that. It's, it's all confined to this, this fake reality of, of uh, social media, you know, until, you know, the, uh, the Southern Poverty Law Center thing came out. But even that, like, I mean, you want to talk about one adorable face, the Patriot. I mean, look at, the, like, look at their article uh, with, like, my face and Jeremy Kaufman, and it's just, like, the goofiest thing. Like, yeah. like my, my, my picture is, is the goofiest. Like, I literally look like this. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, that's that's a hate leader. Okay. <laughs> yeah, dude, it, it's it's ridiculous because a lot of the people that I've met through the LPMC um, have been nothing but kind to me. And yeah, they're shit posters, but like, 
I, there's like this idea that people who post memes on the internet are all like inherently racist and bad people. And uh, that may be a small faction of the people that's in the community that is the Mises Caucus. But it seems like this gets extrapolated out and everyone gets this blanket, you know, you're a racist, you're a terrible person. And the funniest thing of all, and something that you also said in that recent interview, was uh, a Trump supporter, essentially, right? You know, we're basically um, enabling Trump to get elected again, which is the funniest thing because you had said, you went out of your way in the interview to mention that you felt like a lot of libertarians weren't hard enough on him, which is something that I have said. And a lot of the people that I've actually had experience with in the Mises caucus have seemed to agree on. So it's kind of funny that they leave that part out in the, you know, the Southern poverty, whatever the hell it is, <laughs> the Southern Poverty Law Center article and all these other uh, people who claim that were Trump supporters. And, and not to mention just the, the very simple logic of, let's say we're a bunch of Republicans, okay? Mm -hmm. And we're a bunch of Republicans that are leaving the, the uh, Libertarian Party and saying, hey, uh, you know, let's get somebody else to run against the Republican. And then somehow this equals supporting Republicans. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's, yeah. it's just nonsense it's just honestly dude it's it's people who there's always a, a good like in, in any domain you know like our domain is the libertarian party and like, at, like liberty activism and liberty politics and all this stuff um in any domain you're gonna have your your subgroup of like complete miserables who um wish that like they and they might even be smart people you yeah. know but like being smart is not enough to uh to to be successful like mm -hmm. you have to apply yourself you have to you have to have a good idea. You got to sell people on that idea. And uh, I really think a lot of it is just people who are miserable because they project out how things should be in their head. And then the things that actually generate success aren't commensurate with like that mental image that they project and they get angry about it. And, and yet they have nothing to show for it. You know what I mean? Like they, they don't have any success to show for it, you know, and, and they're just angry that this thing that, you know, in their, I guess in their mind should never have worked did work or does work you know and it's just kind of a repudiation yeah and it's really interesting to hear a lot of the people who were formerly kind of the regime of the libertarian party kind of come to knock you and all the work that you've done and where everything's at now because there's a lot of energy and enthusiasm and financial gain ever since the Mises Cox has taken over the Libertarian Party. And one thing I've heard you say in different podcasts, and I kind of want your um, updated feelings on it now that we're like about a month out. Um, as a musician myself, I can empathize with your feeling of nobody's going to show up, nobody cares, and this is going nowhere. Um, do you still kind of feel that way after convention or do you kind of feel like, holy shit, I actually did this? Like, is there a sense of relief? That way, I, I think people, I, I think me is, I, I feel like I don't look the part and mm -hmm. I feel like my background is pretty modest and pretty average. Um, so like with that, I think I'm always going to have a tinge of that. And honestly, I think it's for the best. I, I, I think it helps keep me grounded and it helps me to like, you know, I, I work, that, that feeling uh, drives me to work really hard and, yeah. and you know I mean I knew that we were going to do good here in Pennsylvania but I didn't know that we were going to be 80 20 mm -hmm. you know and and uh, you know that that kind of fear uh, drove me to make that many more calls and 
you know, all that kind of stuff. And it's the same thing with, uh, with national, you know, I, I knew that we were going to do good, but I didn't know that we were going to do 70, 30. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's kind of crazy to think about that and to put that in perspective that you literally had people from what 48 different States drive or driving in, flying in, whatever, traveling to Vegas to show up for this thing. And it wasn't like the culmination of, uh, you know, one specific event. This was years and years in the making. And it's, you know, the 10-year overnight success, essentially, except for this is more like a five-year overnight success. So it's it's cool to see not only the, uh, I don't want to say the bad guys, but the loser brigade with, for um, lack of a better term, kind of lose and re- and then see a bunch of people who truly do bear the ideas that we share together um, now represent the party. And I, I still see people nitpicking at the LP National Twitter. And it, it's so funny to me. It was like a week after people were like, oh, the left is still taking over. This is no different. And I'm like, it's literally been like a week. You know, what, what are we supposed to do? Just disassemble the Federal Reserve and the entire well, federal government from you know well, that- day one? I saw somebody who were like, oh, you know, the, the Twitter put out uh, like something positive about Juneteenth and like, yeah. I thought we were done with all this stuff. But it's like, bro, the LP national Twitter is quoting Hoppe. Like, count your friggin' blessings, dude. Like, like <laughs> if, if you're, if you're, if you're, if your knee jerk reaction is always to try to find that negative, you're never going to be happy. You know yeah. what I mean? Like you're, you're just never going to be happy. And that's, that's like a personal problem. Yeah, you know, I completely agree. So this is something that I don't think I've heard you talk about, but I, I and we don't have to obviously attack personal people, and I don't want to. But um, this whole post-libertarian thing, um, I, I have to admit, I've been swept up by it for a brief moment and had varied feelings about it, and I believe there's valid critiques. But what are your thoughts with the whole post-libertarian moment, if you will? Because it seems like a lot of them kind of want to go back i don't want to say go back to the ron paul days but they're obsessed with the idea of being right wing and taking political power and i believe there's something to take away from there but sometimes it just seems like this circle jerk of being right wing um so what are your thoughts about the post-libertarian moment so i i think there's definitely things to take from it but overall like on the whole i think it's i think there's a lot of things that they're misguided about sure. uh I, I think anytime and, and, and again, you know, you mentioned Jordan Peterson, and I'm, I'm highly influenced by Jordan Peterson. Yeah. I think those guys could really use Jordan Peterson because I think um, there's a really important psychological aspect uh, that is missing from, you know, from what, they, what they're getting at here when they talk about, oh, well, we need to take power. Anytime, like, you, you are in a mindset where you want power for power's sake, um, you know, they, they, they tend to uh, just not address the fact that, that's a tug on, on the human condition, just the same way that alcohol is a tug on the human condition. And, mm-hmm. and um, it, it doesn't just exist in a vacuum, you know? Yeah. And it's also not true, as we've seen in, in the Libertarian Party, it's not true uh, that ideology is the thing that makes you a, a good person that, that can be trusted with power. You know, mm-hmm. there's a lot of trash Libertarians with that I wouldn't, I wouldn't vote for just because I know them. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and... and um, and, uh, you know, that is a missing element from their whole thing. And so when, you're, when your whole strategy is animated by, I want to take power so that I can take vengeance on my enemies, 
your mental incentives are not lined up to where you're going to be the pinnacle of mankind that resists the, the, the tug on the human condition that that power uh, will have on you. And um, I also think it's kind of funny that they don't have any power. Like, it's all just, like, pontificating. Yeah. Um, and, and that's why I think it's so easy to talk about. Uh, whereas, you know, granted, it's, it's not a lot of power, but we have, we have some modicum of power. But again, I don't even like thinking about it as power. Uh, again, this goes into kind of like the mental arrangement or the, like the mental, like the way that you approach these things and act out these concepts mm-hmm. is I tend to think of it more as I don't have power. I have a responsibility. And I think when you when you kind of arrange your, your value hierarchy and look at it that way, that is going to have deep, deep implications on how you act one way or the other, you know, and, and, and I've gotten into conversations with some of these guys They're like, well, you're just playing word games. I'm like, no, I, I'm really not. It's like the, the, the kind of thought uh, experiment that I would, I would say is a corollary to this is like, you know, the whole, is the glass half empty or is the glass half full thing? Well, it's both like logically, non-falsifiably, objectively, it is both. So, you know, what that says to me is that there is certain limits to logic, you know what I mean? And and logic can go really far and it can do a lot of things, but it also has limits. So then the implication of that is, well, what happens when you act out either premise? Um, If the the glass is half full, you know, we'll we'll use that as as kind of a metaphor for optimism or pessimism. Sure. Um, You know, what happens happens when you act out the premise that it's half empty? Mm Mm-hmm. You know, what happens if you, what happens if you, you know, what happens if you act out the premise that you are black pill versus white pill? And mm-hmm. this is something that I think is very missing uh, from, from their outlook. Um, you know, there's, again, but there is things that I think should be taken away. Pete in particular has, you know, he's talked a lot about, oh man, we can't be in, uh, in, uh, in Kapistan in our heads. And what he's getting at is ideological possession. And that's true. You know, right. but the problem is that that's not, that's not a libertarian problem. That's a human problem. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's, um, you know, the the whole country is being uh, <clears throat> pushed into 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 ideological possession, uh, and and being validated by their in group that is also ideologically possessed, and this is kind of the the result of politics investing everything, you know. And um, I don't think the antidote to that is to do the equal opposite and and swing the other way. It's it's. Uh, you know, you got to do something that will actually diffuse it, not not inflame it. Like we should be looking to how to diffuse the culture war, not how to annihilate one side. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and and um, I think that's kind of where they're going, and that's a very vengeful mindset, and and vengeance and power uh, are not not a good mix. Yeah, and well, the other thing is that. Um, as much as we're all pro-secession, pretty much all the way down to the individual decentralization, um, I, I feel like that's going to be a very, very slow process. So when you punish the left, right, and whatever you define as left, because what I've noticed is that um, it basically it boils down to, in their terms, is that left is egalitarian and then right is hierarchical. And I feel like, and this isn't a conversation that I'm fully fleshed out on or really think about all that much, but um, I feel like it's a lot more fluid and a lot less rigid than what it's being told as. So when you just want to punish the supposed left, then now we start to live with these people to some degree until we get to this 
and Kapistan, right? Because that's essentially what it's going, what we're kind of shooting for and what I think our common goal is. So if you punish these people, then, you know, if we're not fully decentralized or localized or whatever, um, what does that look like? We're back to this tit for tat or eye for an eye. We're back to this white hot culture war where everything has to be an arm wrestle rather than just trying to diffuse the situation by other means. And I don't have a perfect solution for this. And I don't really see them having a solution other than you just have to absolutely crush them and remove them at any chance you get. And I sure there's time and place for that. But once again, what's the kind of end goal here? them yeah well yeah for them and then on you know obviously for us because i believe that the lp is a little bit more welcoming of perhaps left-leaning people now obviously they may take that the wrong way but um like i said uh, my question is what would be the end goal of a tit for tat for people that you still have to live with because i, I oh well it's, it's yeah. annihilation that, right. i mean that's the, the the logical conclusion is is annihilation and they would yeah. say i don't want to live with um, and again, that's think about the mental makeup of that. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you could sit here and have the best ideology, but if your ideology is animated by vengeance, you're not going in a good direction. Right. Because, because the human condition is deeper than your ideology. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's you know what I mean? And, and uh, this, again, this is just something that's ignored. And, you know, you kind of touched on, they, they kind of play their own semantic game. They, mm-hmm. they define the left and the right in a way that just happens to perfectly align with their ideology. And, you know, uh, uh, and, and not in a way that anybody else uses it, you know? Um, so, yeah, I, I think they kind of got their own little ideological possession thing there, but mm-hmm. I think it's generated from fear, mm-hmm. you know? I, I think, uh, you know, I don't want to, like, toot my own horn here and shit, but, like, I think the power of the state was still uh, mentally, to a lot of these people, uh, abstracted. It wasn't real um, until COVID. Yeah. Um, and, and again, I'm not trying to like, like pound my chest, but some of us have seen it as very real ever since we understood their willingness to commit genocide. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and, uh, and uh, you know, I, I think that they got freaked out, you know, uh, from, from COVID and how real it got and, and that they're basically becoming right-wing neo-reactionaries. But the thing is, is that there's always, there's always some great emergency for us to be scared shitless of and 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 uh you know give up give up our rights to or uh adopt a narrative to you know if it's not terrorism and sleeper cells it's it's Mm -hmm. covid or you know it's always something i mean it's 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 just basic it's just the basics of being an effective tyrant you can't you can't have happy people who know themselves that you rule over because then they would realize they don't need you you need scared and quiet people yeah people and people against each other yeah mm-hmm. yeah it's divide and conquer it is almost cliche as it is it's it's true though um one thing it's not, that, it's not a yeah. coincidence one just one last guy yeah, i don't no, no, think no it's problem. a coincidence i don't think it's a coincidence that we're we're being maximally divided via politics while also being impoverished mm-hmm. through inflation do you want to elaborate on that a little bit? That's actually, uh, I've never heard it put out that way, but that's pretty interesting. I mean, again, they, if we're going to accept the premise that the, the state has its own incentive structure that, that it's beholden to and it has its own agenda, which is to maintain and grow its power, 
um, and, and uh, you know, share that power with his friends that help them stay in power like the cathedral, um, then again, they're not, it doesn't behoove them to, to, for the people at large to be unified or the people at large to, to uh, see them for, you know, for their true nature. Mm -hmm. um, so I think they know full well that the inflation is out of control. And I think they know full well, you know, maybe not, maybe not. Yeah. I, I doubt they've read like the theory of money and credit from Mises, but I think they know that we can't just print our way out of this and, and all of that. And I think they might have, uh, you know, call me a conspiracy theorist, but if we're on a collision course with uh, hyperinflation and, and, and the, uh, the end of the dollar at some point, there's obviously going to be some attempt after that. You know what I mean? Right. To, to have a new control system. And, uh, you know, they're going to need to have a level of control and a level of compliance to where that goes generally uh, unquestioned mm -hmm. as you have this kind of reboot. And uh, so I think it behooves them to have us uh, against each other and divided, divided. And, you know, what do you see? You see politics infesting every aspect of life. Yeah. You know, we don't we, like even whatever vestiges of our left of free markets, that isn't even like the markets are politicized, you know, mm -hmm. uh, you know, Roe v. Wade happens and it couldn't make it one fucking day before you have a whole bunch of corporations who are like, well, you know what? I hate pro-life people and I'm going to pay for you to have an abortion. Meanwhile, we all mm -hmm. know that that's just like, uh, you know, helping their bottom line. But my point is, is that they're involved in, in, in this political narrative at like every level and it's everywhere. Um, and that is inherently divisive. And at the same time that that is happening, the inflation is getting out of control. Uh, the gas prices are getting out of control. The, the markets are unreliable. You, you see all this volatility in the stock market. And, and so the natural result of that is that when things get bad, we're not going to be relying on each other because we've been, we've been, and trained essentially to 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 distrust each other mm -hmm. yeah so do you think the next so then what's the result yeah. of that it's, it's to say help me no go ahead oh yeah no, no you're good you're good um do you think the next natural step and i didn't plan on kind of going down this road but i'm kind of glad because it seems like we're working there um do you think the next natural step is esg scores the environmental social and uh governance scores um because that kind of seems like what they're really going for with the destruction of the currency and um, this extreme divisiveness in this culture at large where we're supposed to believe that, you know, the plant-based diet, the environmental harm and all this stuff where you could basically rank people and then also kind of shifting towards, I don't want to say transhumanism, but also kind of transhumanism, honestly. No, you're I think good. I just lost all yeah, man, that's good. Yeah, my, my internet could be pretty choppy sometimes. Sorry about that. Can you hear me now? Yeah, dude, you're good. All right, yeah, sorry. I uh, I plugged my charger in and it took me off my earbuds here. Mm -hmm. Um, So, again, this is going to get into some kind of like tinfoil uh, – at territory, um, <laughs> but I, I don't think the transhumanism stuff is going to be for the people at large. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I, I think it's going to be, uh, you know, it certainly isn't going to proliferate. Uh, let's let's put it this way: as it comes into fruition, uh, it's going to be at the very top of society before it trickles down anywhere else. Sure. 
Hmm. And you know what companies are, are producing these technologies? It's 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 uh, Google. It's it's um, Boston Dynamics. It's it's these these companies that are basically just getting government grants, and that's where all this research is coming from. So, you know, I think uh, I, again, I think it behooves them to have machines doing their will, and you can never have anything gumming up the works. You know, mm-hmm. I, I so you, you see these videos of these like robots doing backflips and shit. And then and that's like one piece of technology It's just like the, the fluidity of the movement and everything. And uh, then you have other technology. Like I'm sure you saw that story where um, I believe it was a Google re- uh, scientist uh, was like convinced that the AI that he was working with was sentient. Oh, no, I didn't see that. Yeah, uh, Okay, yeah, this was like a week ago. Um, there's an entire transcript uh, th- that, and, and this is the transcript that basically made this dude determine, like, yeah, this thing, this thing has feelings. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and it's crazy. It's, 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 uh, I don't really know what to make of it, to be honest with you. I haven't, so uh, to level with you, I have been like out of the news for quite some time because I've been, I've been yeah. so in the trenches organizing. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of shooting from the hip on all of this. But, um, but uh, yeah, I mean, what if it's weapons contractors and stuff like that that are producing the technology? What do you think it's going to be used for? Either? Yeah, right, right. Yeah, well, that's all. Uh, you're more well read on it than me. I kind of listen to some people talk about it, but it's like I, I don't even know where the hell you start with all that stuff. Um, was there anything else you want to add there? I kind of wanted to get back to some of the uh, LP stuff. Yeah, go for it. I'm. I'm- well way more versed on that (laughs) (laughs) no dude you're good you're good it was just kind of uh like i said it kind of reminded me of uh the whole esg conversation it might be my internet my internet's been my internet's known to be pretty choppy you got me we cool uh yeah i can hear you cool yeah my internet sometimes drops out i've yeah it's been a pain in the ass um (laughs) Uh, so yeah, I've, I've just listened to people briefly talk about the ESG stuff, but um, I, I like the fact that you guys changed the planks at the uh, national convention. So do you want to kind of lay out those changes real quick, and then we can kind of shoot the breeze on that? Because there, to go back to the post libertarian, some of them are saying that this is still conquest second law. Any what is it? Any uh, organization that isn't explicitly right wing will inevitably go left wing. I, I don't know how much I believe that. But uh, just uh, what were the platform changes you guys enacted at Reno? So there was a plank that was explicitly explicitly pro-choice that mm-hmm. had been around for a very long time. Um, we got rid of that completely and replaced it with nothing. Uh, so now the, the Libertarian Party, you know, has no official stance on abortion, which is, uh, you know, actually representative of Libertarians. You know, Libertarians yeah. are very divided on this issue. A lot of it comes down to whether or not you are a minarchist or an anarchist uh, and the difference in, in first principles between those two things and how that manifests through this issue. Sure. Um, you, can't, you can't have a friggin' abortion plank that outlines, well, you know, there's this first principle difference between these two groups in a manner, but that's just like wonky and who cares? You know yeah. what I mean? Like, um, so that was one. Uh, there was, uh, well, there still is a plank that talks about um, government discrimination that, uh, you know, had a, a line in there that we call, that had us calling it the woke plank about how uh, bigotry is irrational and repugnant. And um, that was uh, taken out and replaced with a sentence about how 
the Libertarian Party will uphold the rights of all people at all times. Mm -hmm. um, we added secession back into the platform, which I think is huge. Uh, we added a definition of uh, property and aggression into the, uh, the platform, which I also think was huge. Uh, the, those recent interviews made it out like we had changed anything about immigration, but we did not. Uh, although I would argue that maybe we should be neutral on that for similar reasons as why we should be neutral to the abortion play. I got you. Yeah. Well, I think those were all positive changes because it definitely did kind of, as you guys have said before, de-wokeify the LP and is more welcoming to people that, you know, as they would say, Trump supporters or conservatives or people who, who are just considering another ideology because they've seen that the Democrats and Republicans have failed them. So when you remove the you know, more social justice, woke kind of planks. Once again, it feels a little bit more welcoming for people who honestly, I think that our beliefs are a little bit more compatible with. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and, and, and the whole thing is because you get these people and it, it was the same thing with like Joe Jorgensen's, uh, you know, we have to be anti-racist where mm -hmm. it's like they, they just repeat what that means on the surface. You know, like, yes, of course, on the surface, um, you know, being racist is not a good thing, right? And, and like, we're not trying to suggest that it is. But again, you, there's just a difference in people who, you can't fight the enemy if you aren't even aware of the tactics that they are using against you. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, and, and this language, and, and it was the same issue with that, it's, it, it's a case of them not even realizing or acknowledging, uh, or in the worst cases, telling you that you don't know what you're talking about when you bring it to their attention, uh, the tactics that are being used by the enemy. Yeah. And, uh, you know, this is something where uh, I actually have been pretty uh, critical of, of uh, something that Jeff Dice has said on this point, where he's like, oh, man, you know, maybe the word libertarianism has, has worn out its usefulness. And it's like, no, you know, and, and the, the, the big point here is that I generally agree with the premise that politics is downstream of culture. And this is why the Libertarian Party needs to be focused on, on uh, injecting, injecting itself and its principles and a narrative into the culture so that we can change that culture and that's going to change the way that people think. Um, but, you know, when you break that whole idea down, what is culture? You know, what, what, what are the component parts of culture? Well, one of the primary components of culture is language. Mm -hmm. You know, so... And uh, meaning that the language that you inject into the narrative is the, uh, the tip of the spear, so to speak, of, of the culture. Um, and, and so when the left is able to get everybody to adopt its language, which is attached to its narrative, um, even if you don't get that that's what's going on, you're, you are, and, and, I, and I don't mean this like an insulting way, I, I mean this yeah. in like a, by the actual definition of the term, you are a useful idiot. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a lot of people who are just not engaged in a, like in in a, in a deep enough level to where they see that how language is being obfuscated and redefined to, to be used for political purposes to, to well to craft a specific narrative for the for the for certain uh, political purposes and that's mm -hmm. what's going on and we have to be aware of that and see that and notice when that's happening to us and we need to start doing it back to others mm -hmm. you know what I mean but. You, when, for us to do it back to others, 
we can't then take their language and their narrative and repurpose it. We have to have our own narrative, our own language, our own tip of the spear for our, our, our culture. And, uh, you know, that's, I think, like, really one of the most important things. And it's very nuanced. And, and uh, you know, it's, it, it's beyond, it's something that's a little bit deeper than just, well, you know, libertarian principle dictates that the proper policy is this. It's like, no, now we're getting into tactics in the real world and what the hell is being done to us. Like, how is it possible that the American people have just, for a hundred years straight, have just been sucked down the progressive hole over and over and over and over again? Like, how did that happen? Did it just happen out of the ether, like, randomly? No. Or, or is there, like, you know, or is there an agenda to, uh, you know, kind of reform the, the institutions and, and, you know, getting Hollywood to kind of regurgitate the narrative with your language and, and all of this stuff to make it all appear as if this is normal, this is popular, this is, you're the weird one if you're not like this. Mm-hmm. That's the kind of stuff that we need to be engaged in as well. But again, if you can't even see that this is happening, you certainly aren't going to identify it and, and fight back against it. And I think that's what's happened here. Right. Yeah. And, and it, it, Basically, what I would boil that down to is that the old Libertarian Party was just very culturally inept and there was no cohesive culture. So one thing that I'm glad that I've noticed with the Mises Caucus is that there is a culture, right? Um, And and I really didn't realize this that much until I had Reed Coverdale sitting in this room right here with me and we were kind of talking about it. He's like, you know... um, I was able to travel across the country and not have to pay for a hotel and sleep in people's houses all over the country because of the Libertarian Party. And one of the critiques would be, well, why do you need a political party for this? Well, it's not that you necessarily need it, but it's been a very effective vehicle in shifting or creating, fostering, whatever you want to say, a culture that's bringing liberty-minded folk together. And yeah, it may not be the Republican Party that's going to elect Dave Smith in 2024, but you can't overstate how important it is to at least plant the seeds of a culture of people who care about liberty and who share these values, at least, you know, kind of the big libertarian values that, you know, you and I share together. You know, once again, we don't know what this looks like a couple years down the road. Right. And I would I would say that that question that like that I know you answered this like a hypothetical on, on behalf of others, but like yeah. of like, well, why do you need a political party to do this? That the presupposition that's in that question has the entire framework backwards. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and this is this isn't something that I realized until I would say a couple of years ago. But um, it's not that you need a political party to do this, but it just so happens that the political party um offered the framework and the structure by which this could happen mm-hmm. and 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 again it's like you know you have to kind of pay attention to people need to abandon the, their hopes of what does work and start to take stock of what does work mm-hmm. even if the thing that does work isn't what you would prefer and i would say the fact of the matter is is that the project that we are all embarked on has in fact produced this culture you know and and um that that should in and of itself should be evidence of the utility or or the um the rightness i guess Mm -hmm. of 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 what we're doing and uh you know why isn't this culture being generated by other efforts you know Mm -hmm. and and there's been a lot of different strategical uh tracks taken over time and and yet this is the thing that that is doing it why um you know 
I, I when when I started this, I would not have told you at the, at that time. That okay, well, what the real thing here is is that the party is going to act as a, a framework for us to build a culture on, and that's the actual thing, not necessarily even the ideas or the oh, we're going to elect local candidates. It's not that. It's it's. It's that we have a community and out of that community has emerged a culture and that is the animating factor. And it appears to me that you have to have some kind of common cause to bring everybody together to engage in that culture. And the irony of it is now that that culture has taken place and, and like the example that you just used with Reed, I think uh, mm -hmm. speaks to this is that there's all kinds of other stuff that has nothing to do with politics that is happening as a good outside of it. There's people trading with each other. There's people helping each other move. There's people helping each other get jobs. There's people, all kinds of stuff, you know? And, and uh, you know, that. so not only do you have like the political element, but you have the community element. And then you have, dare I say, the address element that's happening as a, just as a natural result of that, that culture. Right. I, I, I couldn't agree more. And I think that's perhaps more important than all the uh, political stuff because um, I think we all see how, bad of a situation we are here in the u.s when it comes to monetary policy and all the other things and i don't know if anybody really has a great solution as to how we turn it around but um in my mind the way i see this playing out is that let's say everything does fall apart the dollar falls out and whatever happens happens well wouldn't it be important to have this kind of network about of people that you trust and that share your values that's kind of expanding. And then to be able to have a cohesive group of people with a voice who can speak out against what comes next or can kind of explain how we got to where we are. Absolutely. But I, I also, I want to say though, because this is going one of the foundational ideas of the whole strategy is, and uh, you know, I've had conversations with Justin Amash and this is like a, a key difference between his, outlook and, and, and my and our outlook, I would say, uh, or the pre presuppositions that we're operating off of, um, I don't think there is any turning it around. Yeah. Um, I, I, I don't think you could come back from printing $12 trillion or whatever the fuck it was um, in two years. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, I don't think there's any coming back from that. And um, I, I think the ship will eventually sink. So then the question is, is when that happens, it, and and we are like as we discussed earlier, there's going to be some attempt at rebooting the control system into who knows a digital currency or or whatever. Um, and but there's a really exciting prospect in all of that too, which is we have a choice. Mm -hmm. We have a choice of what to do, and and are we going to accept that new control system or are we going to reject it? I don't see how it could possibly um, be rejected unless you have a whole shitload of people who know what the hell happened here, who were in positions at that local and state level to say, no, 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 no. Like you're blaming this on freedom. You're blaming this on capitalism. You're blaming this on greed. You're blaming this on whatever. Uh, but I actually know exactly what happened here. And you are in fact, Satan, you are the devil and uh, you're going to have to kill us. Like, right. like, yeah. Yeah, dude, I got you. Um, so I, I guess one question, and just before I ask this question, I'm on your side, and I agree with you that I, I don't think that this is the route to go, but uh, some of the critics may ask, why not the GOP? And I, I think I've heard you talk about this a few times, 
But um, just, uh, I guess, one more time, and there's a few points I kind of want to add on to this after um, you kind of answer this initial question. So why couldn't you do this in a GRP, or why did you choose not to do it with the GOP? So a couple things. One, the GOP, I, I understand the appeal of the GOP. Like, yeah. like I'm not going to sit here and, and do the Wilbert thing and be like, well, no, you're, if you're a Republican, then, you know. No, I, I, yeah. I understand the appeal. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a built-in voter base. Uh, and you think you can trick them into uh, supporting you, uh, uh, there is a perhaps a higher floor to power. Um, and, you know, if you're in a red district or whatever and you just get past that primary, you know, maybe you could win. And uh, I understand all of those things. Mm -hmm. But uh, it kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier about narrative and language and culture. Um, you know, let me, let me give you an example, like two examples. Now, I understand Ron Rand is a GOP, but again, we're, we're in a different world, and that right. plays a big part in this, too. Mm -hmm. um, but Ron never, let's say, draped himself in the culture or the narrative of the GOP. He might have been running as, as, the, the, as a Republican, but nobody actually saw him as a Republican. Nobody. Right. And, and uh, you know, then look at Rand Paul. Rand Paul has achieved more power. You know, Ron was always a congressman. Rand is a senator. Um, and yet, if you go outside of libertarian circles, and even in some libertarian circles, although I think it's unfair, um, you know, if you talk to people outside of libertarian circles, to them, there's not much difference between Trump and Rand Paul. Now, on its face, like, if you look at the facts of this, that's ridiculous. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that's that's <laughs> ridiculous. But that doesn't matter because Rand has, because Rand is playing a fundamentally political game, whereas uh, Ron was playing a fundamentally idea game, as a result, Rand has now draped himself in the narrative and the culture of the GOP. And sure, he might have more power as a senator, but there is no cultural Rand Paul movement as a result of that. Right. And half the country, half the country hates the GOP. Mm -hmm. You know, I'd rather be obscure than hated because because a garage band can always make it, you know, but Millie Vanilli's never coming back. That's mm -hmm. never happened. You know, and and uh, and, uh, you know, the Republicans, I think, have 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 proven themselves to be of no use to stop the, 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 the left. Uh, it's been 100 years now. I don't know how much more evidence you need. Uh, they've proven that. It can never be a home for us. And, and so I don't, because you're always going to be behind enemy territory, like behind enemy lines when you're operating within the GOP as a libertarian, it's really hard to build a community and a culture in a war zone. Like it's, it's really hard to build the culture in, in, in hostile territory. You're always watching your back. You're, we always have to calculate, all right, how do we manage our principles with maintaining our position and, you know, and all of that. So it, it's hard to build the culture. And the big difference is that we are not beholden to the media anymore. Right. The, 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 the paradigm of the media is dead. Uh, and, and what that means is that we now have the opportunity to access these huge platforms that have all eclipsed the media uh, and come out on our own terms with our own narrative. And it just so happens that we're able to do this at just the right, at just the exact time that, you know, the GOP just sold us out on guns. Yeah. You know, they gave us the Trump checks. That's the fucking inflation wave. Yeah. You know, they didn't cut a penny of spending. Mm -hmm. You know, like they, they didn't do anything. So why would we want to 
why would we want to, in this moment where we can now reach millions and millions and millions of people, would we drape ourselves in that narrative and that culture that is hated by half the country, no matter what arguments you put forth? You could be Rand Paul, and who is objectively not Trump. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. And it doesn't matter. You're Trump. Because people don't act out the premise that, that their political philosophy, this is why the whole narrative thing is so important. They don't act out the premise that their policy prescriptions or their political philosophy are the things that are most important to them. They, they, they act out the premise that their families are the most important things or their culture or their jobs or whatever. And they don't necessarily bite down on policy per se. They bite down on the narrative and the narrative is the thing that grips them and then informs where they need to go with policy and all that stuff. Mm. So again, we can't be adopting the narrative of the things that got us here while we're also now for the first time ever able to go out and, and uh, reach millions and millions of people. And then we go out and order, and, you know, by we, I'm talking, you know, there's, I mean, I've been on Tim Pool, but Dave regularly gets to go on yeah. Tim Pool. Dave is friends with Joe Rogan. And then what's the response from the people that run these platforms that have access to millions? It's not just that they're interviewing us. They're bestowing the legitimacy that they have to their audience onto us. It's mm -hmm. working. We're just coming from a way slower, lower floor, and we're going to have to grind it out. Mm -hmm. But, uh, but yeah, I, I think if politics is downstream from culture we can't adopt a failed culture like I, I adopt a, a failed narrative that has resulted in a failed culture mm -hmm. yeah and, and see this is the reason why i could never get down with the gop and i you know just as well as i do the gop here in pennsylvania is absolutely abysmally terrible and, and these you have to essentially lie to them about a lot of the way that we feel about things. You know, oh, well, maybe we don't agree on China, but we agree here. Maybe we don't agree on the war on drugs, but we agree here. There's a lot of different areas where I feel like you have to compromise or honestly straight up lie to people to tell them what they want to hear when it comes to GOP candidates. And to kind of tack on another point here, um, Ian Smith had just recently became part of the Libertarian Party. He did the show probably a couple months ago. And, uh, you know, he ran as a Republican in New Jersey. And I thought, okay, well, hell, he should get it. You know, this dude's, uh, he has national notoriety. He's been on Tucker Carlson. Everybody knows who this dude is. So why would he not win? But then, surely enough, the GOP never came out and endorsed him. Um, you saw the same thing, Kathy Barnett here, who was terrible because she wanted to go to war with China, but um, she was a very populist right-wing candidate who was kind of like independent, right? Well, why didn't the GOP pick her up? Um, Shane Hazel, when he ran as a Republican, why did the GOP go after him? He was very strong and knowledgeable in the Constitution. Um, I, I think people have this idea that the GOP is just ripe for the taking, and it seems to me more and more so that that's just not the case. And yeah, you can point to Anthony Sabatini or whoever, but honestly, they kind of peddle the same bullshit the regime peddles sometimes. Yeah, and again, it's the same narrative. And, and, yeah. and if politics is downstream from culture and, and our movement, then if politics is downstream from culture and, and that means that the thing that we need to change the most primarily is the culture so that we can later down the line uh, get the political wins from that, then we have to infect the culture on our own terms. Mm -hmm. That's just, that's, I, I don't know how I can simplify it more than that. Sure. And if we're running as Republicans, we're not doing it on our own terms. It made sense in the past, 
Mm-hmm. Like, like, because again, the, 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 to me, the linchpin here is the fact that the media is, is dead and, and that uh, we have access to all these platforms. That yeah. is the linchpin to what I'm saying here. You know, when Ron was running, the only thing that he could, and he, and he did do this, but the only like alternative media that he had access to that really even existed was like Alex Jones, Yeah. you know, and, and uh, you know, you had to go, all roads went through the media at that point. So yeah, he did what he had to do, but it's a different world now. It's, it's a different world. And, and uh, you know, J- Joe Rogan, he voted for, he, he has publicly talked about how he's voted for Jordanson. He's publicly talked about how he voted for Gary Johnson. And he was a Ron Paul fanboy back in 2012. Mm-hmm. You know, that is now, the. I mean, people talk, like you said, oh, Ian Smith, he was on Tucker Carlson. Everyone knows who he is. Joe Rogan gets about three or four times the listenership that Tucker Carlson gets. And Tucker Carlson is the highest rated news uh, news show on television. Yeah. You know, and that's just one, you know, Tim Pool. I did a super chat while, while Angela was on there. Would you support Dave Smith running for president? Absolutely. I absolutely want that. You know, mm-hmm. like these are all of the people who are infecting the counterculture of the country. This is where the actual conversations are happening where the, the information is being disseminated is, is in this patchwork of podcasts. It's not in the media. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, might that take a little time to, to, to proliferate and to, to work its way through? Yeah, it is true that politics is downstream from culture, which means you got to build that up. But, um, but I don't think you can really look me in the face like, like with a straight face and, and say that libertarianism is not becoming more a part of the conversation in the culture yeah uh, honestly i you know throughout this call i couldn't agree more um we've been shooting the shit for about an hour now so um i, I guess i'll ask you a few closing questions unless you had anything else to add i go for it cool um mike what does liberty look like to you i would say it's it's uh the maximization of choice it's uh Maximization of opportunity, uh, people, and and the maximization of self determination, uh, and that's the one that I think people don't understand the most. But um, you know, it's it's the absence of power, it's the absence of coercion, and the maximization of of cooperation between people. But sometimes cooperation is a cooperation. It's it's we're going our separate ways, you know, and agreeing to 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 do that and. You know, that's a part of it, too, and, and uh, that's fine. But, uh, yeah, I, I would say self-determination, cooperation, and, uh, well, I guess it's freedom. <laughs> nice. Choice. Yeah, that's definitely a different answer than I got from just about anybody else. I really like that answer. Um, what does health look like to you? Uh, processed carbs. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I'm not the pinnacle of health. I'm working on it. Uh, but no, I mean, in, in today's world, um, I would say health looks like discipline. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, it looks like, uh, you know, education because it's very, very easy to be not healthy today. Um, so it's almost like an active rebellion to be healthy in a fucked up way. Um, but yeah, I would say health is, is, is discipline. You have to, you have to 
figure out how to even be healthy anymore because everything is processed. Everything does have refined sugars. Everything does have, you know, carbs. And then the fats that are in foods are not healthy fats. And, yeah. you know, all of this. I'm, now, I'm no, I'm no guru on this shit. And I know you are. So, but, uh, but, um, but yeah, I would say health looks like discipline. Uh, dude, I know you're uh, working hard on it. And, uh, I remember when Tom Wood shouted you out on a uh, status saying that you were uh, jam. You turn on some uh, rap lyrics or something like that, and go for a run on the treadmill. But uh, you know, we're all kind of uh, plugging away and trying to find our own uh, stride here whenever it comes to health and stuff like that. And I'm certainly no exception to that. Um, I've talked about it on the show plenty of times. I've had issues with binge eating because I was on unsustainable diets for me, but. Um, you know, like I said, everybody's just trying to find their own um, way to health, and I'm a supporter of anybody who's pursuing um, whatever means they feel necessary to improve their health, and I know that you're kind of along that journey as well, as we all are. Um, do you got anything you want to plug? Um, anything cool going on in the near future for you? That was it. It was just two lightning round questions? Yeah, yeah. Those are normally the last two I ask every guest. Gotcha. Um, so I would say, uh, if, if, uh, you like what I have to say, then go to takehumanaction.com, uh, and fill out the form that we have there. That'll get you on our email list, but it won't just get you on the email list. Uh, it will have your information routed to, uh, your state organizers and, uh, they will reach out and, and, uh, try to pull you into this community and this culture that we keep talking about. And, uh, you know, even if you're not political, uh, I would say you should check it out just for that community and then maybe you end up getting involved for the fun of it with that community. So takehumanaction.com, uh, you can uh, sign up there. Uh, Misasmerch.com, if you want to check out all of our designs, we've got the Hapa uh, doing what must be done since 2017 shirt. Uh, we've got a whole line of, uh, you know, like Be Brave with Ron Paul or Be Radical with Rothbard. And uh, yeah, takehumanaction.com, Misasmerch.com. Awesome stuff, man. Well, Mike, it was a blast having you on. We'll definitely do it again, man. Um, and like I said, if there's anything else you want to uh, plug, uh, if not, we'll get out of here. Uh, just lp.org slash join. Um, you know, now that we completed the takeover, we should all be flooding in and, uh, you know, making the new LNC look good. Awesome. Well, Angela's at the helm there. She's been a guest on the show twice, and she'll be a guest on the future, as I hope you will. Um this was a uh, great chat. She's an incredible person, and she's definitely a uh, firebrand and a uh, great um, torchbearer for liberty. So, uh, yeah, man, like I said, this was a cool chat. So, uh, like I said, if nothing else, we'll close her out. Appreciate it, man. Thank you for having cool. me. Yep. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.